wonderful reminder that the love of God extends to each of us so profoundly in Jesus Christ and yet uh, even so now. Well, it was a good day, but it had a sober moment to it. We got a call that our, grand, uh, our daughter and uh, her family were coming to uh, visit. They were going to play out in the backyard, hang out there for a while. The grandkids were going to play, and we were going to get to see them through the back door and visit some through the back window. It seemed like a, a great deal, and we did enjoy it so thoroughly. But let me tell you, there was a sober moment that stopped us both, Debbie and I both. We spoke, stuck our head out the door, spoke to one granddaughter from afar, and we thought we were still in sync. She gets excited when she sees us on Facebook. She gets excited when she sees us on Zoom. But this time when Debbie spoke and said her, her name, our granddaughter just looked up and sort of looked puzzled sort of looked mysterious at us, like, who are you people inside that door? And it hit us. Wow, is this one of the casualties of our being sequestered? Has our young little granddaughter sort of forgotten our voice? Will she have to relearn that? We have great uh, confidence and energy and unbelievable industry given to the idea that we're going to get right back where we were. But I just want to say to you, knowing someone and knowing their voice and hearing them speak your name is a powerful human sort of connection and the Lord Jesus gives us a beautiful image this day about how Jesus is our good shepherd and the most humble of animals can learn the most profound and important things and I'm told, I've been to Israel once, but I'm told by people who travel there frequently, to this day you can go and hear this remarkable phenomena and see it take place where a shepherd goes and he just simply speaks and he can even call an animal by name and they'll come to him. And that was, or that is what is envisioned in the text. And I want to share with you a reflection this morning on Jesus as the good shepherd. Uh, if you would, find your place there in John, the 10th chapter. We'll read just the first portion of this chapter, the first 10 verses, and we'll say something about this beautiful, beautiful text. Uh, it, it, it's all to be read together. I'd love to drag, the, drag you through several chapters that, that kind of make a, a, a unit, I believe. It starts all the way back in chapter 7 when his brothers want Jesus to, to come um, uh, to the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, they want perhaps a show of miracles or maybe a showdown of some kind. Jesus says at first he's not coming, but then later goes and then has this huge controversy in chapter 8, all this infighting on the Temple Mount. He's arguing with the Pharisees something pitiful. It's about as hostile a, a conversation as we have recorded in the Gospels. And in the middle of that, Jesus sort of upstages things, says he's the light of the world. It's huge fire burning behind him, but he says he's the light. And he throws another I am around or so, and they get so mad at him and so threatened by him, putting himself in the centerpiece of God's plan, that they say they, they want to take up a stone and kill him. Jesus leaves the temple that night, and in the next chapter, chapter 9, he heals a man that's born blind. And boy, character really shows. These same Pharisees who he'd sparred with in chapter 8, 
now take the opportunity to try to denounce this miracle. They bully this man who was born blind. They interview him and threaten he and threaten his family, his parents and so on, trying to get him somehow to turn on Jesus. But Jesus is the good shepherd who cares about him. These false shepherds, these Pharisees are people who just care about themselves. And so that theme is carried forward. Ezekiel 34 is in Jesus' mind, I believe. Uh, There uh, the prophet has said to the leaders of Israel that they've been false prophets. They've not been telling the truth and caring for the people. And God will replace them with another shepherd like David, a divinic shepherd who will come. And Jesus, I think, is no less claiming that he is that son of David, shepherd that's coming, and he's the one who will lead the people forward. And this good shepherd is the provision of God for the rescue of the world. Follow along as I read from John chapter 10, starting with verse 1. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them all out, brought out his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they do not follow the stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this parable or this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Notice how he changes direction, slightly different focus or image with this same idea, verse 7. Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and may have it to the full. Or you might remember it this way, have it abundantly. Now the first image is this. There's the sheep that belong to several shepherds in the same pen. And so it is the gatekeeper who keeps the rules. It is the gatekeeper who guards the entrance. And he knows the shepherd. And he only lets the shepherds in. And by the way, the sheep know the shepherd. And all the others have to finagle some other way, climbing the wall. Their purpose, even though they might poise, uh, pose as a shepherd, their purpose is to still kill and destroy They're interested in only themselves. They don't carry forward the purpose of God and so on. But Jesus, as the good shepherd, is known to the gatekeeper. When they don't quite get this image, Jesus gives them another, and the images keep rolling for the rest of the chapter. Here in the second image in verse 7, 
there's the sheep of a single shepherd in the pen. And the shepherd himself serves as the gatekeeper, or actually the gate. I'm told there's a custom there where a person would actually lay across that opening and not let anybody in or not let an animal out. And only the shepherd is allow, allowing those to make their journey to the pasture. And Jesus says, I am that shepherd that is now displacing your false leadership. I'm the one who's eclipsing this entire Feast of Tabernacles with its image of the light and its image of the water. I'm the one. I'm the living water. I'm the light of the world. I'm the, even the Messiah comes up in this chapter later on. And Jesus recognizes his central place in God's purpose. And he claims to them that he is truly, truly the shepherd. Now, I have two ideas I want to expand on this morning with you. I want to first ask you to explore with me this somewhat complicated idea, and that is this, about hearing the voice or the instruction or the word from Jesus. There are some pastors who just say, Randy, don't go there. Don't set a high standard that many Christians won't fo follow and won't, uh, won't, won't claim or seek in their life. Uh, it, it's too uh, difficult. It's too vexing. And the people who start down this journey, uh, they uh, find as many problems and hardships as they find solutions. But I have to tell you, I, I do think this is a vital part of what Jesus intends for any believer. And so I want to explore with you in just that, just for a moment. There are some people who I think are really good at hearing the voice of God, and there are some people who are really good at teaching the rest of us to hear the voice of God. Those people are not the same people, though, necessarily. Occasionally, by God's grace, there are those people that kind of, those two gifts seem to coalesce and bring, come together. Dallas Willard is a champion of mine who I greatly, greatly admire and appreciate. His little book, Hearing, is as good a guide to this whole vexing difficulty as I can imagine. I think much of our teaching is wrong. There's some people who just say, no, if the Lord ever tells you, you'll know it. You'll know it. Well, sometimes the Lord speaks to us, and we do just simply know it. It's self-authenticating. We just know it without a question. But that's not the case with all of God's instructions and words. It's not the case with Samuel, for example. And I think we have to be realistic that sometimes... Learning to hear the shepherd's voice is a process of learning to hear like we learn to hear and understand someone else. And there are all sorts of helps. Uh, Dallas Willard collects the old traditional images of within, without, and around. And, and I think there's something helpful for that. I think we have this inner sort of intuitive, spirit-led, we hope, response that the Lord is speaking to us or making an impression on us, wanting to move us, wanting to inform us. And yet we humbly recognize that sometimes these impressions don't necessarily seem to pan out. We must also measure and, and gear these words that we are seeking to hear from God with a confidence that they'll match things from without what the church has always taught and what the scriptures clearly teach and so on. And, and, and scriptures lead us and give us confidence. And so there's a great many things I can tell you for sure. Jesus said, because I can tell you, Jesus said them in the scripture. That seems to be the bulk and, and, and burden behind most of my ministry is teaching the scriptures. 
But I would not want to suggest to you that that is the last word spoken. I think we are his sheep. I think he speaks to us. We also maybe look around us and can find help. The circumstances, especially the discernment of other people who are seeking like we are, and when we find outward circumstances and the, the fellowship of people around us, sometimes there's a beautiful thing that goes on when we can see a kind of a coalescing of all these streams together. But I will warn you, it is not easy. Dallas Willard goes on and talks about the qualities of this voice that has some characteristics or qualities to it that I think can guide us and encourage us as well and give us direction. But I would just suggest to you my experience in this has been slow and steady. Um, slow, maybe not as steady as I'd like, but slow, I'm sorry to tell you. But I can just say to you, you just have to try. And you just have to respond as best and as faithfully as you can. I am uh, prone to an occasional sort of uh, direction that says, I want you to speak to that person. Maybe somebody who's being neglected or somebody who's down on their luck, somebody who's broken down along the roadside. I want you to share with that more of a testimony sort of thing. And there are times in my head that I just respond to the Lord like, Lord, are, do you know how far away from home I am? Or do you know what I'm doing? Do you understand I'm on the way to church? Do you, do you get this or get that? And, and I can just say... We learn by hearing and doing. And so I'll turn the corner and make the block and come back. And sometimes these things work out. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes I'm left scratching my head like, was that just the pizza, Lord? Did I not figure out what was going on? Am I just distracted by something else? But I want to do what I can to be obedient to that voice because by being obedient to that voice is the way I learn to hear it and authenticate it. I um, don't want to say too much for this or claim too much of it, but I asked you some weeks ago to have a common practice while we were apart, at least we could do something together. And I ask you to prayerfully consider praying the Lord's Prayer every morning when we wake and every evening before we go to bed. I ask you, I think, deliberately to either read it or to recite it from memory or to paraphrase it. Uh, and you may uh, have your own prayer routine and schedule and so on elsewhere, but I ask you just to begin and end your day with that practice. Now, I could go into a lot of things that led me to do that, circumstances in my life, a student uh, uh, with an interest in these matters uh, came, coming my direction, uh, a long-standing uh, uh, kind of interest in this. I, I preached one of the very ser first sermons I preached to you was on preaching, uh, praying the Lord's Prayer and its, its crucial, I think, nature and, and function in the Christian life. And, and so there's a lot of things that have come together, but without saying or claiming too much, I, I just responded to what I thought was a prompting at the time. And other things kind of coming together gave me encouragement. And so I ask you, and we'll ask you again to join me in this practice. I want to tell you by confession, this week has been hard. There have been several occasions when I thought, Lord, but I need to do this or this. You don't understand what's going on this morning. I don't have time to even stop just for this brief moment. 
Um, but I gathered myself. And I want you to gather yourself and pray the Lord's Prayer each morning and each evening before we retire. Those are just the simplest kind of illustrations of how we just go along and do the best we can. I think we have great instructions elsewhere. I would encourage you to go to Dallas Willard. Uh, there's a sense of readiness that we uh, can always develop, a ready obedience and a regular prayer life. I think the words of Scripture are in, 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 incredibly important. We don't just measure the words we have through Scripture. I think most of the time we get the words we have through Scripture. In other words, Scripture is more like a telegraph wire at times. And the new things that God says and the way He applies what He's already said to our hearts so often comes when we're before the Scriptures and living with a readiness and an eagerness to hear God's voice when we read the Scriptures and so let me ask you to cha and challenge you to pursue a life where you're listening for the shepherd's voice and where you're obedient to that voice. Now the second thing is this. I need to tell you that honestly, I don't think I would have brought up the first thing if I didn't have the second thing. Uh, the truth is I'm all worried, uh, frankly, as a pastor, that the wrong people who hear this will apply this in the wrong fashion. Uh, and, and so some of you who would be uh, blessed by this kind of thing, you, you may not get off center and go forward with it. And some of you who are maybe overly acute to these questions and you're constantly struggling with all kinds of things and you see uh, a message from God behind every circumstance in your life and uh, from where you uh, put your pin down to, to the rock that got uh, kicked over and the pot that, that fell and broke and so on. And, and everything is something that God's trying to say to you. And I'm just saying, sadly, I, I want to warn you, you, you might just be trying to see God many places and it might be more about you than it is about God and so I just want to say to you I want to ask you to have some pastoral wisdom yourself and just start simply and not in some grandiose way but just simply to say Lord I'm listening and if you want to share with me I will try to be obedient to the best of my ability and I'll try to find my way by hearing and responding to the way you lead me. And I can only give you that very, very heavy pastoral charge because I have this remarkable pastoral note. And there's a theological priority, I think, that this has to come first. I think we would drive ourselves crazy if we were just constantly trying to seek and find God's direction on our own. But you go forward with this notion and with this confidence that the Good Shepherd knows you. And He calls you, and He calls you by name. And I have a confidence not on our intuitive spiritual ability to find our way, but there's a Savior and a Shepherd who loves us. And we can go forward with God. In these last verses we read, it's only going through Jesus that you find the salvation. You can only find your way forward to God's purpose through Jesus. He is the centerpiece of what God is doing. But this Centerpiece, this shepherd is the good shepherd who loves you. The chapter goes on and says that he will keep you and guard you. Nobody's going to wrestle you from his hand. And I want you to go forward with this sense of confidence that you can pursue something so grandiose as hearing God's word spoken to you in a conversational sort of way 
not by uh, maybe audible, but by this, this sense of impression and so on, but responding to the leadership of God in this ongoing fashion. But you can do that because of this, not because who you are intuitively or spiritually, but because there's a shepherd who's deliberately loved you. And he knows your name. And he calls you. And he speaks to you. I know there are folks in a world of hurt this day who hear my voice. They worry about health. They worry about financial circumstances. They worry about all sorts of things. And with every good reason, and I cannot tell you as a faithful proclaimer of the gospel that somehow just things are going to simply work out. There's some simple, easy solution to this hardship. I can tell you this, though. That the God of all this world has put at the centerpiece of His effort to reclaim the world His very Son who has come and He is our Good Shepherd. And you can find your salvation through Him and you can find a life of living in His presence and hearing His voice He is a shepherd who knows who you are. And I just want to say, unless you feel like you've been forgotten and everything is going so crazy, I know it's sort of a crazy season. I just want to say this to you. I want you to hear me say this. Jesus knows your name. And the privilege of Him speaking your name. Not just to know Him, but the fact that He knows you is this great privilege. And if the great good shepherd knows you, then all these other things will work out. There will finally be some sort of solution. We will endure and we will survive. There's a destiny before us. Our destiny is salvation to be with this good shepherd. Nothing's going to wrestle you from his hand. And that good news is the foundation for everything else. Charles Willard, Dallas Willard, tells a story about a gentleman named Charles Frank. He trained animals, and for years he trained an elephant for the circus. The elephant's name was Nita, N-E-E-T-A, and was a long-time occupant in time at the San Diego Zoo. Charles Frank had not seen the animal for 15 years, but after 15 years, Charles Frank goes and sees the animal. And it's well attested. There are numerous witnesses. I hear some, even some fo- photographs of it. Charles Frank stands a football, football field away from that elephant. And starts just by saying the elephant's name. And the elephant, all that distance away, hears her name spoken. And comes. They greet one another. And then Charles Frank goes on to give some of the instructions that he gave as they used to perform in their act. And the animal would hear the instruction and obey. The truth is, we think, maybe in a too complicated fashion, there's lots of difficulties Lots of technical matters, lots of new challenges, a lot of rethinking people are going to have to do. And I'm not trying to make light of all that. 
But I'm just trying to say our way forward through all of these things must rest in the most simple of things that even the animals can get right. Do you know where your provision is? Do you know who to trust? Do you know who to listen to? Well, good for you. That the Lord Jesus calls people to come to salvation through him. And he is a good shepherd. And he knows your name. And he calls you. Some he may be calling even right now to make that first step of of trusting him with your life and your destiny. He calls you. He speaks to you. And that's the great privilege of life. And were we so smart as the elephants? I guess they have a good memory. Were we so smart as the sheep who can hear and know the shepherd's voice? There's some things about life that are so very, very basic. This morning, I say to you, Jesus is your good shepherd. Listen. Listen. Be ready. He knows your name. He speaks to you.